Next on BYU Sports Nation, Childs, please come back. And he is. Yoli Childs back for his junior season at BYU. How much better does that make Cougar Hoops this upcoming season? Is, is BYU's non-conference hoop schedule too tough? We'll ask Mark Durant. Plus, could BYU save the Pac-12? Whoa, the voice of the fighting Pac-12s, Bill Riley, previews Utah Utes football. And what's your 10-part sports 30 for 30 documentary for BYU? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hope you're enjoying your Wednesday, May 16th, wherever and however you're connected. Always nice to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the Yanny to my Laurel, Jerem Jordan. Okay, this is going viral. What's the new? What colors the dress? Is it blue or gold? There's an audio clip. Do you hear Yanny or Laurel? I only hear Laurel. 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 Yanny. <laughs> you hear both. You can hear both. One of I can't hear Yanny. And the other one is low-pitched and starts a little bit later into the sound. I can't hear dog whistles. <laughs> Is it Yanny or Laurel? Yanny live from the Acropolis. How does this happen? Like, was that calculated, or did somebody just hear that and think, oh, that kind of sounds like two words, so I'm going to send it out. I want to know the genesis of this. The dress I can understand, but the sound, the audio clip, that's weird. Like how- It's very similar, right? Like, color that should be the same perceived color to the eye, or not. I think what we learned is that People see and hear and feel and are different. different, and that's okay. In fact, I'm okay with everyone that hears Yanny. I'm not like, yeah, you don't hear the same. You should. It's a life lesson, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Let's be understanding and loving. What'd you say, Yanny, live from the Acropolis? Yanny, live from the Acropolis. <laughs> I had that cassette tape growing up. Do you still have cassette tapes no, somewhere what? in your house? Oh, yes, actually. From my mission. My mission trip. We need one of those. I would record me talking and being like, this is so hard. We need a cassette tape for posterity's sake for the set. A cassette tape? <laughs> I'm not putting one of my personal cassette tapes up here. No, we should just buy one. Fine. DI's got to have one. Whatever you Desiree need. Industries. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Yo, did you hear this? Yoli Child says he's returning from NBA draft exploration for his junior season with BYU basketball. He tweeted out the following last night, much to the delight of BYU Sports Nation. And I quote, these last two years I've spent at BYU have been incredible. The culture here is special and BYU has the best fans in the country. Pause. At this moment, did you not think he might leave? I thought, oh no, he's leaving. I continue. From teammates to coaches to fans, it really feels like a big family. After several weeks of prayer, talking with my family, those close to me, and NBA teams, I feel the best decision for my future and my family is to return to BYU for my junior year. Go Cougs, end quote. What does this mean for the immediate future of BYU basketball? This is good news. You already lost Elijah Bryant. You can't lose Yoli Childs, too, and be like, everything's great. We're going to make the tourney. 
I think the NCAA, NCAA tournament is possible. I think it's going to be have to be BYU's best self to make it at this point. But second in the WCC is is probable. BYU has a chance now against this schedule, even though it's pretty tough. We'll discuss that coming up. He's got a shot to be the West Coast Conference Player of the Year. It's a Gonzaga player, or it's Yoli Childs. I, I don't see another person being like a preseason favorite more than uh, Sir Childs a lot. I'm also thinking this is his last season at BYU. I, I think. Yoli Childs isn't going to be here his senior year. I think he tested the waters. I think he's going to work on his jumper and whatever else he needs to work on. And then next summer, he's probably gone. I said a couple of months ago when things were all still up in the air uh, with Nick Emery and Elijah Bryan and Yoli Childs, that, and, and we thought that Eli was going to go. But if Yoli and Nick returned, that would calculate into like a tangible number of wins in my mind. Okay, it would mean more wins. So BYU wins twenty games every What's year. What's Yoli Child's right? war? His wins above replacement. BYU wins twenty games every year. So even if Yoli Child's and Nick Emery did not come back, Dave Rose and his crew and that team they out, would find a way to win twenty games. Yeah. I think Yoli Child's is worth two to three more wins than BYU would have without him. So his war is two and a half. And with Nick Emery in the mix, BYU I think will win twenty five games next year. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think the roster is way better equipped. With those guys coming back, and so I think, yeah, the addition of Yoli Childs just means more, two to three more wins for BYU basketball. A roster that's way better equipped to face a ramped-up non-conference schedule. Like, if Yoli Childs didn't come back, then I would feel like the non-conference schedule is a little bit too much. But he's back. The NIT would have been more than likely if Yoli Childs didn't come back. But now that he's back, there's a shot at the NCAA tournament. Okay, I feel like the team will be in the convo all year long. On the bubble, hopefully, because of the strength of schedule, you got to and the roster. You win some games, yeah, well, in the combo. Let's talk about that because with the report of a season opener at Nevada on the schedule, BYU now has a reported ten uh, or reported or announced ten games on the non-conference portion of the schedule, including Nevada and Houston, both top twenty RPI on Selection Sunday last year. Road games at San Diego State, NIT semifinal team Mississippi State, neutral with Utah. Uh, a somehow neutral side game with UNLV in Vegas, among others. Spencer, is the non-conference schedule too tough? No, not with Yoli Childs, Nick Emery, TJ Haas, Gavin Baxter, Jashir Hardnett, Dalton Nixon, and the rest of the experienced crew back. The roster's equipped to handle, and by handle, I mean win a, win a few of those big games. We learned that you are not punished very severely for losing big games, but you are rewarded. transgression, but you are rewarded big time if you can win a few of those. And I think BYU now has the roster to win a few of those games. So I don't feel like it's too tough. Now, how much? How many of like the power non-power seven, if you will, in college hoops, will be rewarded in the same way? Because in conference, you're not getting as many of those games. My fear is that there's too many games that yes, will be quad one or quad two. But that BYU wouldn't have enough, one, enough of those, and two, enough wins in those. Can BYU pull a Syracuse and go four and eight in quad one? Yes. No, no, because they're not <laughs> playing 12 quad one games. They'll Sorry, play... the percentage, I feel like they could handle that percentage, though. But that percentage is going to be so low compared. Let's say BYU plays four quad one non con, and they're going to play probably max two, maybe three. So that's only seven games. So you, you probably got to go, what, three and four? So you've got three quad one wins. You're going to stack up against another power seven team. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But with the return of Yoli Childs, if BYU can sneak in an extra win or two that kind of hasn't been there the last two years, and that these teams turn out to be as good as BYU hopes, that was an issue last year. 
Illinois State, not as good. Princeton, not as good. And so on. Then BYU's got a shot to get into the NCAA tournament. I would say it's more uphill than downhill for BYU to get to the tourney. But with your only child's back, Nick Emery back, Gavin Baxter, I'm with you. I like this group. I'm hopeful that they can be bubblicious. Yeah, I think that they'll be just fine. Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports doesn't feel like the Pac-12 is going to be just fine in the future. He tweeted out an article yesterday with the following caption. The Pac-12 has slipped to the point that there soon might be a power four. A chronicling of the Pac-12's issues, some of which go back to the beginning of the BCS 20 years ago. If you want to read that entire article, I know that Jerem tweeted it out. I tweeted it out. It's an interesting And read. I believe BYU Sports Nation retweeted that article. It's a good read. What if the Pac-12, Jerem, added BYU? And I know what you're thinking. Never going to happen! But seriously, is there a way that bringing BYU into the mix could save the Pac-12 somehow? No. No. The Pac-12's issues are bigger than adding any one single team. Okay? There's a general issue on both coasts with interest specific to those teams along there. Where are the strongest conferences? It's where they're not on the coasts. Okay? I would say the SEC is definitely bordering the Gulf of Mexico, but it's a religious experience, right? The, the West and East Coast, for some reason, there's just more distraction associated with being on the coast. The Pac-12 doesn't have the issues to the degree I think that Dennis Dodd is outlining. He is saying there's a red flag here. I think it's pretty yellow. I don't think it's red, though. If Washington doesn't, if USC doesn't move to Washington State on a Friday last year, they might be in the playoff. If Washington doesn't blow it on a Friday night, they're probably in the playoff, too. Okay. The parity in the Pac-12 has been an issue. Yes, in hoops, they didn't have like a second-round team. That was it's, – it's a minor issue right now. I'm not overly concerned, and adding BYU would not change a thing, in my opinion, but it'd be the best situation ever for BYU. I want BYU in the Pac-12. But in terms of the Pac-12's viability for a long time, oh, the Pac-12 network doesn't generate as much money as they want. It's going to be okay because they're one of the haves. Okay, They're not a have-not. They're one of the haves. They're a power five, power four. Give me a break. The Pac-12 will always be there. Like, that conference is going to be around. There are too many important schools on the West Coast to not be involved in its own league. Every conference has issues. The Pac-12 is no different. Right now, they're in the forefront because they don't get as much money as the others, and they're the team that most recently, knee-jerk reaction, because it happened last year, didn't get into the college football playoff. Well, it's been, what, two or three of the four years, right? Again, it's been recent that they haven't been there, okay? If they get back to the college football playoff this year, a lot of this Chances goes away. they do. A lot of this goes away. With Washington. Like, a BYU lot of this could help away. Washington get there. BYU's not going to save the Pac-12 by getting added to it, although that would be amazing. But I'm not about to go down that path. I will say this, however. The Pac-12's issues, and they extend to... Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott, he doesn't see eye-to-eye with every one of the schools that are in that conference. Arizona and Arizona State grumbled, and the Big 12, I know, was looking to potentially poach them. Like, if a school leaves the Pac-12, if they are poached from, then we're talking about significant trouble. You can survive with 10 teams. You can. The, the big 
You can, well, not ten, but shown the- then you are then you clearly are the weakest of the Power Five conferences if you're being poached from. I thought have- the Big Twelve was the weakest, right? What, so did what, I. What happened? Now Dennis Dodd saying that's not the case. They're just fine. Oh, I have ten million fewer than that. You still have thirty million dollars. Come on. Yesterday, ESPN Films and Netflix announced a ten part thirty for thirty documentary chronicling the Michael Jordan led Chicago Bulls dynasties, and we'll get a ten part series. I can't wait for this. It's in 2019. It's going to be awesome. This is our question of the day, Spencer. What's your BYU Sports 10-part 30 for 30 documentary? 10-part. You can't have a 10-part documentary without Lavelle Edwards somehow heavily involved in the mix. The evolution of college football and the passing attack led by Lavelle Edwards and his string of quarterbacks. I think that is the series that would deserve a 10-part 10-hour-long part series, okay? I, it starts with the general, Lavelle, and what he did, his backdrop, and then you go through all of the quarterbacks through a national championship up to your Heisman Trophy winner, Ty Detmer. Like, BYU changed the course of college football. with Sark, right? Yeah. In 1984, they won the national championship. College football changed after that so that it would be much harder for a team like BYU to win the national championship. They did it when they did it. Like, Boise State did the same thing but didn't get a national title. They did it in the wrong year. BYU was the last non-Power 5 team to have a Heisman Trophy winner. And national title. Ty Detmer. In 1996, BYU was number 5 in the country. They won the Cotton Bowl. They didn't get into a BCS game. Alliance Bowl. Alliance Bowl, correct. That changed the course of college football so that a team like BYU could be invited because it was a big deal. Yeah, what if it was like how BYU changed college football? How a non-Power 5 team changed Abs- the game. Absolutely. Yeah, mine would be the quarterback factory. There's been no other school that's had the run of quarterbacks like BYU had from 77 to 85. Gifford Nielsen, Mark Wilson, Jim McMahon, Steve Young, Robbie Bosco, All-Americans, top 10 Heisman voting guys, NCAA records, whack titles, crazy finishes, first-round NFL picks. There's never been a run like this, and there never will be a run again. Of five quarterbacks like BYU had, you have to throw in Virgil Carter and Gary Scheide into the mix as well. And then after that, of course, you have Ty Detmer and Steve Sarkeesian and Brandon Doman and John Beck, who Max finds Hall. his guy, Max Hall, Taysom Hill, kind of the latest in that run. Incredible run. That would be an incredible 10-part. Ten 10-part ten has really got to have some juice. Exactly. Like, you're covering several decades. Celtics-Lakers got, like, five parts. OJ got, like... Five parts or whatever, you have to have this big story. That would be the story. Our question of the day, centering on this 30 for 30, 10 part series conversation. If you could choose your story to have BYU sports featured in a 10 part 30 for 30 type documentary, what would it be? Time to hear from you. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation. On BYU Sports Nation. First response in from Twitter at Googs53. The documentary of Ziggy Ansah. It's an amazing story. But I'm would with that you. garner ten parts? Ten parts? No, two, ten would be too many for that. Ziggy needs to be a movie. Exactly. Needs to be a movie. And we still need to finish our casting for that. No, we're done. Jacob Dawson on Facebook. The Holy War history in football and basketball. That would be, yeah, there's a lot there. That's a good one. Utah, BYU. And the latest the iteration world. is okay. canceling basketball, seven in a row from Utah. Like, yeah, there's new chapters there's being written there. there. Kyle Nelson on Facebook. The story of the BYU-Nebraska 2016 season opener. 
specifically focused on Mitch Matthews because of his involvement in that day's highs and lows. The moment between he and Taysom catching Mangum's Hail Mary, his perspective on both players' stories would be elite or great. <laughs> Jeremy Spencer can argue that one. Listen, he was elite in that game. Like that's that whole that's, the Taysom Hill story. The Taysom Hill story could be a ten parter. Yeah, how he so got to much. BYU, getting hurt, playing twenty thirteen Texas. There's so like twenty fourteen the start, twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen the return. The Saints. Okay, there's ten parts. There, there for might Taysom. be ten parts with there's Taysom ten Hill. Parts for Taysom. Yeah. Okay. Coming up. Men's Hoops analyst Mark Durant on the return of Yoli Childs. Does he think he's the number one player of the year candidate going into next year? Ooh, and the voice of the Utah Utes, Bill Riley, will preview the rivalry football game. What is their perception of BYU after a 4-9 season? Stay with us. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU baseball team plays Pacific. Tomorrow in a three-game series starting at 8 Eastern on BYU Radio and BYU TV. It's the final three games of the, the season for BYU Baseball. Last chance to uh, finish things off with a good taste in the mouth. So the Cougars and Tigers lining it up, as Jerem said, on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Welcome back. BYU Sports Nation simulcast on both of those networks, BYU TV and BYU Radio. The conversation always rolling on social media. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Check us out on Facebook at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN whenever you would like to converse with us. Our question of the day, what is your choice for a 10-part 30 for 30 style documentary of BYU sports? At It's a Muffler chimes in on Instagram. The quarterback mill, BYU's rise and fall of producing highly successful quarterbacks. I like it. I like it. At uh, Gibbs 19 fall rise hurdle, a Taysom Hill story. I, I'm telling you, it'd be fun to uh, explore that a little more. And it's still being written in the NFL with the Saints. Our first guest of the day, the voice of the Utah Utes, Bill Riley, joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Bill, welcome back to the show. What's up, Bill? Spencer and Jerem, my man. How are you? We're doing well, and we appreciate uh, you hanging out with us uh, this morning to talk Utah Utes football. And we'd like to dive into that Pac-12 article that Dennis Dada CBS uh, sent out a little bit yesterday. So let's go ahead and... Before we do that, though, can I cast my vote on the 10-part series? Oh, please do. The Gary Croton era, where it went wrong. Okay. (laughs) No, it started... I was there. I was covering it. It started so well. Oh, 12 and 2. And he had that unbelievable season and where where it went wrong. To me, that's very intriguing because you come off the Lavelle era. Gary has that great first season. He was a good man. He had good coaches, but... It just went wrong so fast. I think that would be very intriguing. Yeah, absolutely. Two thousand one is like this forgotten year because BYU lost two games and Luke Staley gets hurt. It's kind of like, well, they didn't finish. That's a great season, and they score seventy in the. Yeah, that's that's and then that's three an consecutive one. losing seasons. Yeah, no, that's a great point. When you've got the storylines and so the whole, you know, the whole uh, quarterback thing, five quarterbacks. You have the five star guy, the Utah State game. His family shows up. He doesn't play. How might things have been different had he played? I don't know. I don't, I mean, Olson, a, that's yeah. a, that, that would be intriguing, uh, the inside stuff, the behind the scenes, if you could get people to talk about it. Love it. Great stuff. There Bill Riley with us on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, now to uh, Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports. Wrote an article discussing some of the issues, perceived issues in some cases, right now in the Pac-12 on and off the field. How much of a concern from a conference standpoint is there about being fifth in money and – 
getting back to the college football playoff? Well, it's funny because Dennis was on my show the day before he published that article, and we we actually talked about that stuff. I I think it's a concern uh, league-wide. I mean, again, for Utah – they're so new to the conference that, yeah, would they like to have, would, would they like everybody else in the Pac-12 like to be getting 37 or $38 million a year in revenue versus the, the 30? Yeah, I, I think they would. Um, I, I think there's concerns about it. I think the fact that the, you know, the other four power conferences are pulling in more revenue via TV and other streams it is a bit of a concern. But, I, you know, I, I think there's, you know, they've got to figure out ways to correct that. It's not as if it's, it's a problem that could last forever. But Larry Scott came in as commissioner, expanded the conference, did a lot of good things. He was kind of the rainmaker for a while. And things have kind of dried up a little bit. And some of that falls on the heels of his decision with the Pac-12 networks not to partner up with an ESPN or a Fox and go it on his own. So, yeah, I think it's a concern. Um, is it a huge concern? Not that not the people I've talked to. It's a concern. There's no doubt about it. But not not maybe to some of the people I've talked to as big as maybe it's being made out in the national media. Yeah, it seems like parity generally is good, but in this case, like you need one team to emerge, right? So that's almost a good yeah. problem. Like if USC doesn't drop a Friday night game to Washington State, it's probably not a discussion at this point. No, they. I mean, Washington was in the Final Four. You need somebody, though, there. If you're the Pac-12, you, you can't go once every four years or five years. You can miss a year here or there, but, you know, three out of five, four out of five years, you want to have a USC, a Utah, Washington, a, a UCLA, somebody in that mix. And, and honestly, that's, that's what you're judged upon. I mean, you know, from a, from a uh, I guess, a, a hype and a recognition standpoint, are you playing in the biggest games? You know, you got to have somebody in the Final Four. Oregon was in the Final Four last year, but, you know, the Pac-12 was – or two years ago, and Pac-12 was just awful this past year. So you, you can't have stretches of bad years if you're a Power Five, if you're a Pac-12. It's tough enough to live in the Pac-12 region and have your games on at, you know, 10.30 and 11 o'clock Eastern and West time. But when you're not playing in the biggest games in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, the Final Four, if you're not in the college football playoff, you become a little bit of a forgotten item. Bill Riley, voice of the Utah Utes, with us on BYU Sports Nation. At this juncture, where does Utah fit into the top tier of the Pac-12 and trying to be that team that could potentially not just start hot but finish hot and be the team that gets into that Final Four, Bill? Are we talking about coming up this year, or are we talking about kind of in the big picture? Yeah, big picture. Well, I think big picture they're not there because they haven't been there yet. I think the big the, the, that upper tier includes Washington, Stanford, and USC. That's the top tier in the Pac-12 conference because those have been the teams that have been there. Um, you know, Washington State's knocked on the door a little bit. Um, you know, everybody in the Pac-12 South, except for Utah, has taken their crack at it. But I think the top tier in the conference is Washington. And Oregon might be close to getting back in there. We'll see what happens this year. They were there for a couple of years, and they've, they've fallen off a little bit. I think Utah, this year in football, is their best year on paper to crack it. I don't think that we can say, oh, the Utes might be a dark You know, it's kind of been the conversation. Utah might be a dark horse. Well, this year, when, when the voting comes down, depending on what happens at USC at the quarterback spot, 
Utah might be the preseason favorite. When those polls come out in July, they may get selected as the preseason favorite. A lot of people I've talked to, Pac-12 Network folks like Yogi Roth and, and Anthony Heron and some of the other people, right now they're saying, well, if I had to pick somebody based on the uncertainty at SC at some positions, I'd probably pick Utah. Kyle's got 78% of his starters returning, didn't change offensive coordinators this year, system stays the same. They've got as much talent as they've ever had. So at least preseason, I don't know that you'd say dark horse. Maybe this is the year, but they're not in that. They're in that tier down from, you know, they're in it with Wazoo and Oregon and UCLA and in that in that second tier down. The elite tier, though, is still. And I think to be in that elite tier, guys, you've got to be there for a few years. USC has, Stanford has, Washington has. BYU and Utah coming up November 24th to end the regular season. Do you like the placement on the schedule of where this game is? Uh, I, for me, I either want it to be the first game of the year or the last game of the year. I love that it's the last game of the year. I do. I think that's great. It's kind of like the old days. I don't mind it if it's the first game of the year either because then you've got all the hype of the offseason in the first game of the year. I just, I don't, you know, playing it the third game of the year, it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't, you know, when you stick it after Northern Illinois or in BYU's case, Arizona or so, it just doesn't have the same feel. So for me, and I don't know how long it's, you know, I think the Pac-12 gave some exemptions and I don't know if it can stay there moving forward, but I'd either like to have it as the first game of the year. So it's a huge, great opener for both teams or the last game of the year. I, you know, but that that's me. What about you guys? I, I'm with you. I, well, we do a daily show like you, so first game of the year is actually better. We can just the whole off season, and that's the case in 2019. It's a Thursday to open college football, so that's going to be awesome, man. No, I, I completely agree. And well, but see, the, the last I would think from a BYU perspective, though, the way the schedules played out in recent years. It's been a kind of garbage at the end of the year. A lot of you know Mountain West and one double A teams. I would think playing at the end of the year wouldn't be bad either because you'd have a meaningful game. It might be at Lavelle Edwards because you guys know there haven't been a lot of late season meaningful games for the Cougs recently either. Absolutely, and uh, coming off a four and nine season, anything to get the uh, juices ramped up uh, helps the situation. <laughs> No, I, I, but I'm, I'm happy that it's, it's the end of the year because I love the feeling of that. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun having it at the end of the year. And, you know, hopefully both teams are in a good position at the end of the year. I, I feel pretty good about Utah's chances. I'm, you know, I haven't dove deep into BYU. I know it's a, it's a big year with the coaching staff changes. And I love Kalani Sataki. He's a friend and has been for a long time. So I, I want him to have nothing but success. But, man. When you load the front end of that schedule up the way they have, that is just that's a tough start to any year. It is brutal for sure. Bill, always great to talk to you. Uh, when you'd like to discuss that thirty for thirty uh, coordinating producer position, we can go right to that and uh, work out the numbers. I'm just an idea guy. I don't even need to be coordinating. Just give me a credit, <laughs> you know, some sort of you know associate producer, production assistant credit for coming up with the idea. And then let me do some interviews because I was doing the Gary Croton show for three years in there. So I, I could give some good insights. All right. You got it, man. Bill, great to talk to you. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Bill Riley on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. There's a lot to discuss with BYU and Utah. And, uh, you know, we didn't even get into the personnel per se. We have the whole summer to do that. But, yeah, it's at the end of the year. That's that's a good question. Do you like it at the end of the year or the beginning of the year more? Because that's kind of where it's being played. 
And like Bill alluded to, it's probably going to be more near the beginning of the year than the end, given the way the Pac-12 schedules. And with so much uncertainty in the Pac-12 South, is Utah going to be picked to win the Pac-12 South? Preseason polls are all about what you know, right? What you think you know. That's what the pre- the magazines, it's not about what's actually going to happen. It's about what you think you know. We love the magazines so yeah, much. I do love the magazines because it's the summer and I'm bored. Hey, coming up, what's the chance Yoli Childs is the West Coast Conference Player of the Year next year? And you've been given the keys to make a 10-part documentary series on BYU sports. What is your subject matter? More from the Voice of the Nation. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation friends, welcome back. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. We're on demand anytime, anywhere, and now present some of today's top BYU Sports Nation stories. It's your BYU Sports Nation headline. Yoli Childs announcing he is back for his junior season. That happened last night. He said, and I quote, The last two years I've spent at BYU have been incredible. The culture here is special, and BYU has the best fans in the country. From teammates to coaches to fans, it really feels like a big family. After several weeks of prayer, talking with my family, those close to me, and NBA teams, I feel the best decision for my future and my family is to return to BYU for my junior year. Go Cougs, end quote. Awesome. Yes. I'm excited to have Yoli back. Way more excited than that uh, sounder. West Coast Conference softball awards are out. Riley Jensen, player of the year. Carissa Viramontes is the co-pitcher of the year. And Bridget Fleener is the freshman of the year. Jensen and Fleener were joined on the first team by Libby Sugg and Lexi Terrell. Alexis Stridd, Autumn Moffitt, and Carissa Viramontes on the second team. The Cougars play Drake tomorrow in the NCAA tournament in Eugene. Good luck. Libby Suggs batting 430, and she wasn't the player of the year in the West Coast Conference. Did she bat 430 in league play? I don't think it was 430 it's, in league play. It's based play, on but league results only. Still really good. And uh, all those players we just named? Underclassmen, Jerem. Well, well, well. Looking ahead to the future. Good luck against Drake in the NCAA tournament. And Oregon when you play them in round two. BYU Baseball. Lost to number 3 Stanford 5-1 to one in a one-off game yesterday in Palo Alto. The Cougars open their regular season finale three-game series, hosting Pacific tomorrow at Miller Park, 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. And an update. Men's golf is in the NCAA Regionals in Norman, Oklahoma, and they are tied for first with the host Oklahoma at 11-under here on day three, which is the final day, 8-under today. BYU is on Fire! They were 10 under as a team yesterday. They are 8 Woo! under today through 13 holes played or something like that. Patrick Fishburn in third place, 8 under, one stroke off the individual lead. BYU men's golf is bringing it in Norman. The karma awesome. boost was manifested in a major way through Bruce Brockbank and BYU golf. Nice job, everybody. Keep it going. The top <laughs> five advance to the NCAA championships. Patrick Fishburn, by the way, individually is ranked in the top 20 players in the entire country. I think he's number 17. He might be on the PGA Tour here pretty soon. Yeah, he's got some this PGA This might be swag. it for him at BYU. He's got some PGA <laughs> swag. All right. What's the chance the Cougars win the regional? Pretty good right now, right? Let's discuss some other things in What's the Chance. BYU Sports Nation asks... What's the chance? Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. More golf later in the whip. 
Right now it's about basketball and Yoli Childs specifically. Jerem, what's the chance that Yoli Childs is the West Coast Conference Player of the Year next season? I've got it at like 38%. I think he's got a one-in-three-ish shot to win it. You don't have to win the league to be the the POI, okay? Kyle Collinsworth did this as a second-place finisher. Might have even been third place. Um, I think a tie for second with San Francisco. Yoli Childs got a shot to be the player of the year. Uh, he and Elijah Bryant kind of cannibalized each other in that race this year. And Gonzaga was just too good, right, when all was said and done. But uh, Yoli Childs certainly has a shot. The funny thing about cannibalizing. There's nothing funny about that. In basketball statistics. Oh, in basketball? Yeah. <laughs> is that Gonzaga does it, it seems like, on an annual basis. Hello, Clarice. They've got Josh. <laughs> 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 Too good. Too good. Kind of creepy. Too good. Oh, that, yeah, it's very good. they got Josh Perkins. They've got Killian Tilly, Rui Hachimura. So it's. Among others. There are a ton of guys that are going to be so good and evenly good that it allows for a guy like Yoli Childs to have bombastic numbers. Right, right. They were so just. Yeah. Spread out. The and parody. Even. They had a Pac-12 issue. Too much parody. There are too many good players, so it's going to be hard for one of those guys to yeah. be, like, really good and way better than the rest, which is why Jock Landale yeah. was the player of the year last year. They're still going to be so good! Yes. BYU and Yoli Childs, I think it's, you know, close to 45 or 50% because he's going to take a lot of shots and he's going to be the alpha dog on this team. Like, whereas Gonzaga, they got a million guys to go to. It's a lot of guys. How do they have scholarships for all those guys? I don't know. Number two, what's the chance BYU Hoops makes the NCAA tournament this season? Oh, man. With the schedule and the roster coming back, oh, man, this is really hard. I'm going to say 40% chance BYU basketball Woo! makes the NCAA tournament. 40 is pretty high for me. I go more in the 20s, like 25%. I, I think BYU has a shot. What's going to be drastically different than last year? I, I wonder if the BYU... schedule? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if BYU scheduled with Elijah Bryant in mind. That, how much of a shock was you Elijah Bryant to. leaving? You have because to. Because if Elijah Bryant's there and you're bringing Baxter and Emery, to me, it's like, okay, that team can make the tourney. Now, this team, I think, can make the tourney. I, st- I still think it's an uphill climb. BYU can finish second in the West Coast Conference. Yes, I expect them to do And their that. non-conference schedule is way better. Their RPI will be way higher, we think. Yeah. We'll, based on what teams did last year and their RPIs that yes. they bring in. Yes. So I think it's I think it's a pretty decent shot. They're doing themselves some favors with the schedule. All right. Totally. Jeremy. Totally. What's the chance the Pac-12 is the first Power 5 conference to dissolve? What in the world? Zero percent? It's not going to dissolve. The Pac-12 is not going to dissolve. The Conference of Champions is not going anywhere. No Bill Walton-backed league is going to just <laughs> fizzle into the nothingness. No. If there's any league that's going to go away, it's going to be the Big 12, in my opinion. But the Pac-12 ain't zero percent. It's not going away. They've, they've got issues. Yes. But they're not going away. They're not going Come away. Come on. Yeah, get out of here. Come on, when they get poached from, then we can start to begin to have that conversation. Pac-12's not in a bad spot. There was one article overreaction. Who are we yelling at? I don't even know. It's a good question. Whoever came up with the question. Also a good question is what is your documentary of choice for a 10-part 30 for 30 style series within BYU Sports at CL underscore living? And it came to pass. Hashtag Ty Detmer. 
Hashtag the last QB. Why is he the last QB? Is that because he's the last non-Power 5 guy to win the Heisman Trophy? Oh, yeah, perhaps. Because there have been other quarterbacks of note. Twitter, Instagram. Brandon Doman, John Beck, Max Allen, so on. Facebook, sound off on social media. Coming up, the elite voice of the day. You you want to be that. Wait, is is that Mark Durant? Is he the elite voice of the He's day? an elite voice. <laughs> the. BYU basketball analyst and a guy who averaged more than six points a game his senior season. He's going to join oh, us to six? discuss what difference Yoli Childs makes for this team. This is BYU Sports Nation. So was it six? What's the Chance is brought to you by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The Batcats, BYU baseball team, takes on Pacific in a three-game series starting tomorrow. All three on BYU TV and BYU Radio, 8 Eastern, Thursday night in the final three games starting Thursday against Pacific. Live from Studio B, this is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Is it Yanni or Laurel? Our daily BYU Sports Nation rebroadcast airs weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. I hear Laurel. One time. I just want you to try one time to hear I have been trying. I tried really hard. Joining I want us, you to validate my effort. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is Mark Durant, a man who shot 53-plus percent from the field in the 1994-95 BYU basketball season. Mark, great to have you back. Always great to be on. I've missed you guys. By the way, I get Yanny, and uh, I've been watching the show. You guys are looking handsome. You're looking uh, – I mean, you guys, you guys are doing a great job. Uh, Jerem, do you ever get – the Michael Sarah comparison? Yes, a lot. <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm really looking forward to Arrested Development. You're great on that. I've been. That must be a fun, sexy time for you. Uh, there's money in the banana stand. I've been telling you that for a long time, Mark. Oh, I love that show. I've been watching that with my so wife good. to get ready for season five. So good. Oh, so good. Yeah. Well played, Mark. Uh, like we said, it's great to have you back. And it's great to discuss Yoli Childs back with BYU basketball for his junior season. How much of a difference do you think that will make for BYU next year? Well, I'm, I'm so happy about that. I, I've, I feel a special bond with Yoli because uh, I've seen him play since he was uh, little comparatively, and uh, he played with my son at Bingham, and I, I'm just thrilled with that he came to BYU and that he's had so much success, and I, I just couldn't be happier uh, to see him coming back. And it's just, as far as BYU being uh, the, the team that we all want them to be, it's just critical that Yoli come back. It, it's it's so difficult, guys, to have a really talented scoring big man. If you can have one of those guys, you are way ahead uh, of everybody else because obviously guard plays important, but I mean, guards in a lot of ways are a dime a dozen. It's it's, if you have a good big man that can really carry a team, whether it's Landell or, uh, you know, Gonzaga has one every year, which is why they're always really good. But you have to have a strong inside scoring presence that's a real threat. It helps your guards be better. It helps open the floor, puts all kinds of pressure on defenses. And Yoli has been amazing uh, these past couple years. And, and you add another year onto that, and you, you saw at the end of last year he started shooting the threes with great consistency, and he's going to be able to open up that part of his game. And 
it's just going to be absolutely critical. You know, you guys are talking about NCAA tournament chances, and it's going to be really tough. But without Yoli, I say almost a zero percent. Yeah. And with Yoli, I think you've really got a good chance. We know about 10 games of the uh, 15 in the non-conference right now announced or reported publicly. Uh, what do you think of the non-conference schedule BYU has put together? Well, I like it. I mean, that's it's just going to be how it has to be now. Uh, you have to play people. And uh, I like that the NCAA, you know, you can play a team on the road that's good. And it's, if you lose, it's not going to destroy your chances. You just need to have that strength of schedule. And you go to to Nevada, who was terrific last year, and obviously you have Utah, and, and you go down in Vegas, UNLV and San Diego State, Mississippi State, Houston. I mean, that that's a good, solid lineup. It's it's not overwhelming. I know some people think, well, you've got too much. You swung the pendulum too far the other way. But I think I think these games are are games to be where you can compete in and possibly win. And you, if you can get a couple of wins against really good teams, then you really vault yourself into the conversation rather than scrapping and clawing to try and be relevant. If you if you can get on a run and you're going to have a little bit more experience this year, and maybe in those those early season games you can. You can find a way to get some wins, and then you're on on the radar, and it's and then then obviously you've got to avoid the, the bad losses, and that's really been a problem for BYU the past couple of years. But you, there's just no other choice. If you want to go to the tournament, you have to play these types of games, and you have to play them wherever you can get them. Dave Rose understands that. Uh, I think Randy Bennett understands that now, and that's just the way it is for for teams other than Gonzaga in the conference. And Gonzaga. You know, they, they've always gone out and played people, which I commend. But but that's just – if you want to get in the tournament, there's no other path. And so you you take them head on, and I like I like the schedule so far. Mark Durant with us on BYU Sports Nation, BYU basketball analyst. The return of Yoli Childs coupled with Nick Emery's recent announcement that he will be back, I feel like, Mark, will give BYU four to five more wins on the schedule than they would have if those guys weren't there. Am I crazy to think that Nick Emery and Yoli Childs can make four to five wins of a difference in one season? Uh, no. I, I mean, I, to me, that's on the low side. Uh, I think Yoli's going to be one of the premier players in the West, one of the best big men in the West. And like I said, how important it is to have a guy like that. Obviously, Elijah Bryant leaving was was pretty devastating, but uh, but you're getting back Nick Emery, who was an all-conference player, and I saw Nick a few weeks ago. He looks tremendous from from every account. He's he's playing the best that he ever has, and if he can fit into that system with Yoli and and try and replace some of that Elijah Bryant loss, and you bring in some of the new guys. I know everyone's really excited about you know, Gavin Baxter and. What he can do, I think maybe that's part of the reason Yoli came back because those guys, I think, know, know each other and have played growing up together and are excited to play together. And so, absolutely, I think uh, those two guys uh, are, are worth the, the, those amount of wins. I mean, without them, I, I think BYU's in serious trouble. And maybe maybe they lose more than five or maybe ten games. So this is just great news for everybody involved that both Yoli and Nick are back. I know it was tough to lose Elijah, but with those two guys coming back with the experience and, and Jasheer and TJ and those other guys and, and uh, with some of the newcomers, uh, I mean, I've, I've, I've gone from pretty, pretty depressed to being 
uh, pretty excited about it. So uh, we'll see where it goes, but uh, it was just critical that Yoli come back. Gavin Baxter is a guy that uh, played, you know, AAU with Yoli, like you were talking about, the strong relationship there. Connor Harding on that team as well. He's off a mission, so we're going to have this kind of fun AAU trio together. Wait, we've played this game before recently. Never mind. Uh, Gavin Baxter, <laughs> known as one of the most athletic guys. You, you've you been uh, with the BYU basketball program for a long time. Has BYU had a, a 6'9 dude that dunks all the time with a 7'2 wingspan and a crazy hops like Gavin before? Well, probably not. I mean, I played with a guy named Shane Knight that had that same type of body and uh, was a great shooter, could jump out of the gym. And uh, I, I think Shane probably, with his skills, uh, could have had a better career than he did. Uh, but he was uh, he was great. And uh, so he was – I mean, that's kind of how I see Baxter. But, yeah, it's, it's usually – kind of one or the other for BYU. I mean, we get big guys, but they're not always great leapers or really particularly long. Even like a guy like Hoffa or Eric Mika, they were big, but they weren't long. And, uh, and Yoli's got some of that, but he's a little undersized for his position. And, and then you go to guys like Collinsworth and Elijah Bryant, who are super athletic, but just not as tall. So that's a unique mix and can really cause some problems for a lot of teams. Cause and, you know, it's hard. Who do we guard him with? We guard him with a big, and he'll go out and take us outside. We guard him with a smaller guy, and then you're vulnerable inside with his jumping ability. So that's a pretty nice weapon to have. Now, I'm not going to put too much pressure on a guy coming off a mission that hasn't played his second of college basketball, but it is That's what exciting. we do. That's what we do here, Mark. <laughs> I know. I'm trying it's BYU. to save this kid. Listen, I grew up being Devin Durant's little brother. I'm trying to save this kid from these unrealistic expectations. If he if he is great, that's awesome. But let's just let him kind of, you know, stop knocking on doors and uh, actually shoot some shots before we crown him as the the greatest athlete of all time at BYU. Ponderize on that, Mark. <laughs> I like the way you're thinking, Mark. Great to talk to you. It's good to rejoice with you on the return of Yoli, my friend. We'll talk again soon. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Mark, Mark Duran on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. This is BYU. We don't know how to not hype something. We get excited. It's the off season. This is where we live. Getting excited about the season and guys. And heaping too much expectation. It's so true. <laughs> Coming up, the latest from the men's golf team in the final day of the NCAA Regionals in Norman. Last look, they were in first. We'll tell you if they've kept the lead. And where does Patrick Fishburne lie in the individual results? That's all coming up in the whip. Plus, if you don't know how to watch BYU baseball in their regular season finale, we'll remind you again kindly next. This is BYU Sports Nation. Yes. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Shout out to today's guest, Bill Riley, the voice of the Utah Utes, and BYU basketball analyst Mark Durant. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, no time. If you missed any part of the show, you can always download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. Yoli Childs announces he's coming back for his junior season last night. He says, the last two years I've spent at BYU have been incredible. I feel the best decision for my future and my family is to return to BYU for my junior year. Go Cougs! Softball. West Coast Conference Softball Awards are out. Riley Jensen, Player of the Year. Carissa Veramontes, Co-Pitcher of the Year. And Bridget Fleener, freshman of the year. Where is Libby Sugg? 
Jensen and Fleener were joined on the first team by Libby She's Suck. Eugene. There she is. And Lexi Taro, Alexa Strid, Autumn Moffitt, and Vera Montes were on the second team. The Cougars play Drake tomorrow in the NCAA tournament in Eugene. From the bottom. Baseball. The Batcats lost 5-1 to number 3 Stanford. The Cougars start a three-game series tomorrow against Pacific in the regular season finale as the Cougars eliminated from West Coast Conference tournament contention. You can watch it and listen to it tomorrow, 8 Eastern, on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Cougars in the minors. Brennan Lund, 2-for-5 with a run scored for the AA Mobile Bay Bears and a win over Michael Jordan's old minor league team, the Birmingham Barons. And Adam Law, 3-for-4 with an RBI for the AA Arkansas Travelers and lost to the Northwest Arkansas Naturals. That's a big Golf. rivalry. BYU men's golf following up a round as a team of 10 under yesterday. They are cruising today 9 under. Woo! One shot off the pace as a team. They're in second place if they finish in the top five, which looks highly likely. They will advance to the NCAA championships. How about Patrick Fishburne? In third place, he's uh, 8 under overall, 1 under today. Just one stroke off the lead. Well done. Women's basketball. UNLV Women's Basketball has added BYU graduate transfer center Haley Rydalch. Good luck to Haley as she pursues new pastures in Las Vegas. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help. When you need it most, DexterLaw.com. Goes to the men's golf team, specifically Patrick Fishburne and company. It takes a team, right? But BYU Men's Golf ranked 37th in the country, or 39th rather, and they are bringing it. They are bringing it. They're in second, like you mentioned. Patrick Fishburne's in third. This is a tremendous performance from those guys. Top five advance. Final day today. Our question of the day. If you could create a 30 for 30 style documentary for BYU Sports, 10 parts, what would it be about? Who would it be about? At H. Collier 88 on Twitter, the year of the Jimmer. He took the nation by storm and had a chance to go farther than any BYU team could in the NCAA tournament. There's a lot of chapters there for sure. Jimmer, Jackson, Brandon Davies, the attorney, Gonzaga, the whole deal. Oh, Dave Rose, awesome. The elite voice of the day from at Cosmo da Cougar. The Steve Young story, good grief. He's got Super Bowls, backup roles, a broadcasting career, philanthropy, name it. It's a life well lived. Amen. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter and Instagram. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Show on demand, BYUSN.com. For our audio podcast, check it out on iTunes, Google Play, and the TuneIn app. For Jeremiah and Spencer, shout out to the 1981 BYU men's golf team. Keith Clearwater, Mike Reed, national champs. BYU Sports Station.